Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I know that apart from a few episodes, the No Holds Barred podcasts are about light relief. We're a bunch of friends that talk about stuff with a reverence, with an aim to entertain. What's happening right now is unprecedented in the lifetimes of everyone who's listening to this. What is reality for all is that regardless of whether it's warranted or not, COVID-19 has caused the greatest social upheaval during peacetime. In this episode, we speak to Anthony, who is on the front lines in the fight against the nouveau coronavirus in his role as a specialist nurse in the NHS. We speak to Adam, whose job it is to manage currency in an economy that has seen the pound drop to its lowest point against the dollar in 35 years. And we speak to Alex, who finds himself in South America, struggling to find a way home after months traveling. Hello, and how you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm on, mate. How you doing? Very good, very good. Um, probably better than you are, because you're in a very sort of unique position, because obviously the world, or the UK, seems to be in the process of shutting down. Um, we don't know how long yeah. we're going to be able to function normally as a society, as, we, as we've kind of become used to. Schools are shutting down and whatnot at the time of recording. But you're, you're, um, you're a specialist nurse at a London hospital, at the kind of forefront of the fight against the coronavirus. What can can you, can can you start by kind of talking about your role generally, you know, as a, as a specialist nurse in the NHS, what do you do? Well, basically, yeah, well, um, you know, I'm a specialist nurse, I'm clinical nurse specialist, um, I work in pain management. So my general day to day job is looking after patients who've got like pain that's difficult to manage. So that's in the inpatient and the outpatient setting. So I see patients on the wards um, that have had surgery that basically have difficult to manage pain. And I just assist. Well, I, I advise the doctors what to do. Um, and so they're basically they're nurses on the wards. And, you know, that's kind of my job. And also around outpatient clinics so patients come to see me with complex long term pain. And I offer them advice with regards to medications and things like that. So it's kind of a. It's a lot of a, a lot of it's a, a lot of a sort of a specialist. So what I do is pain. That's the, the only thing yeah. I do really is that. So it's people that and, have had operations um, so or, kind of... or, or are in pain that you you kind of advise them on on their treatments and how they can best yeah. sort of minimise the amount of it, discomfort they're going through. 
yeah, you know, I, I like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about getting patients up, getting them mobilising, getting them home, you know, because nobody wants to be in hospital for any period of time longer than they need to be. And one of the main things, if, as I say to patients, if you've got a hole in you that you're not supposed to have, it's going to hurt. So that's why you take your painkillers. And that's kind of how I, that's how I deal with these patients. Okay, cool. So, so can, can you describe in terms of a time frame over the last month, how your 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 role has changed and the messages you're getting from your employees or your employers rather what, what what's it been like so basically what happens is is um i uh i've uh basically you know we, we we've seen the old the storm clouds coming since it was you know it was happening in china i think we were thinking you know is that ever going to come over here is it ever going to you know is it ever going to sort of come over to europe or is it just going to be like sars was going to be like MERS, which is like the you know the, the seasonal affective, the, the, not seasonal affective, but the um the the uh, the respiratory diseases because it's like a coronavirus is the type of disease it is, and it's COVID nineteen is basically the 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 type of disease is the actual specific disease. Yeah, so there's been like a, there's been like six or seven versions of coronavirus that they know of, and this current one is the is the the latest one, the seventh version, which is, is which is a mutation on the other versions of the coronavirus, right? Yeah, so basically, it's, 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 as I said, it's similar to SARS, swine flu, sort of um, the sort of the, uh, the the MERS, which is the Middle Eastern one, things like that. And the issue with this one is, I think the big thing is it's the incubation period. It takes anybody can, you know, it's it's like a cold, but it's like the flu, and it's, it affects your chest, and it it takes a long time to go from one person to another. So it's a real it's a real difficult thing to manage because it doesn't kill people quickly as well, and that's the thing about a lot of viruses is that if it kills you too quickly it doesn't spread like ebola kills people very quickly so it's easy to maintain because it kills people really fast it doesn't it gets into a host they pay die quite quickly so it doesn't spread too far and wide so with this with this disease basically what's happened is people have got it haven't known about it and then traveled all over the world this that and the other you know this time last week i was in germany everybody goes this around this that you know and it's 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 quite it's quite distressing because from um people have known what's happened and have been real it's it's like flared up in these places and people have been able to cope uh, it's brilliant yeah and what what's it what's it like in in the hospital at the moment then what what, what what's been happening how, how how have things changed in the last few days well, as I said, even from this time last week, you know, the hospital had maybe this time last week, the hospital maybe had three, four cases. Now there are whole wards almost getting filled up with these patients that have had this, 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 this disease. And it's not just old people. I think that people are saying, but old people are dying of this. The reason why old people, I think, um, older people are of a higher mortality rate is that it's it's such a you get such a severe pneumonia you have to sort of basically end up on a ventilator for three four weeks which is a long long time in hospital and what happens is people then stay on a ventilator for this long period of time and it it clogs up itu beds and in the, in the uk there's somewhere like four to five thousand itu beds for 65 million people and it's that's not a lot and our itu beds run typically on a normal day 80 to 90 percent capacity so you've only got you know in the whole uk less than a thousand itu beds maybe empty and it's and it's everybody's like really worried and scared because you have to look after these patients but you haven't got the beds to put them and it's a very contagious disease what, what does uh, what, what what does a ventilator do 
well, basically, it the easiest way of doing it, it breathes for you. It, it basically helps you breathe. And the problem is, it, you can build a thousand ventilators, but you need a thousand nurses and several hundred doctors to help run them. You need a, you know, when a patient is very sick, it's not just about popping a ventilator into somebody. It's about having a nurse who's trained to actually work out how to use it at the right, correct um, setting to get them to work it. And it, that's not an easy thing. I don't know how to work a ventilator. I've been nursing 20 years. I haven't got any ITU experience. So you need to actually have ITU and intensive care experience to be able to work a ventilator. It's really difficult. And um, so so you're, you're getting sort of old, was it old, older patients coming in or, or is it any age? Well, no, young, any age, young, young patients, lots of the patients that have had it are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, 60s, 70s. And I think the reason why it's such a high mortality rate in older people is because they cannot take the ventilation. When you put, when you have, I think when it comes to when it goes into ITU or intensive care, and it has to have the decision to be put on a ventilator, is it, the question is, are they going to survive the ventilation? Because a lot of patients, you put on a ventilator, you're never going to get them off it because they just can't, they're not strong enough to come off it. Because what happens is your, the ventilator breathes for you, your lungs become used to it, and you have to what we call wean them off the ventilator, which is basically get them breathing for themselves. And a lot of patients, once they go onto it, will never come off it. So that's the, I think that's the real issue with having in, um, in Italy is that these doctors have to make these life or death decisions where is this patient going to survive the ventilator or, or not? And if you've got three patients for one ventilator or five patients for one ventilator, what are you going to do? You're going to actually say, I'm going to give it to this, the, the one patient I think is going to, um, is going to survive better. So that's the reason why a lot of patients are the younger surviving is because they have to, they are, um, they're able to be able to stay on the ventilator and be able to tolerate it. That's why they have a better chance. So you're, you're obviously on the front line on this, this fight against the coronavirus. What's your opinion of how impactful it's going to be? Like what we see the news and, and from a lot of us, you know, we're looking at it thinking that, you know, it's, it is something that old people get and, Old people do get sick, and you know, pneumonia kills, you know, tens of thousands every year, and the flu kills tens of thousands every year. What, what, why, why? It, from your perspective, it, it has uh, has there been such a dramatic reaction by? Because I think, because I think, what happens is a lot of um, our uh, uh, patients. You know, I, you know, I could have it now. You could have it now, and you might be absolutely fine. I might be absolutely fine. I might be a bit chesty, a bit short of breath for a week feel like crap but then you might pass it on to your dad without knowing i might pass it on to my mum without knowing and they might not be as strong they might not they might get a really severe pneumonia so yeah it may only be the flu or this that and the other but if you look at the numbers it's about three percent mortality rate which is more two three percent mortality rate which is amazingly high for a, for a, for a disease like something like seasonal flu it's probably less than 1%. So this is a real, and this is, I mean, this some of them may come back again and again, and it's a virus, so it can mutate. So it's, that's the real difficulty and the real danger is that, yeah, most people under 60, 70 will be fine, but people older than that will not. And that's, I think that's, and that's the real issue here is that it's going to put a massive strain on the services. And remember, patients aren't coming to hospital just with, coronavirus they're still having accidents they're still falling off ladders getting car accidents having cancer this that and the other and a lot of things are changing a lot of patients 
you know, they're still having their surgeries in hospital, but you know, it's a real worry and it's a, it's a lot of strain because if you've got a three wards full of coronavirus patients, you've got a, you've got three wards worth of beds that aren't being used for patients with everyday things. Um, you mentioned the the mortality rate, three three between two and three percent. What that that like? It sounds it, again to someone outside of it, it doesn't sound high. Is that what, how high is that as a for in terms of diseases that can be contracted? Well, it's, it's a word that, that, you know that's that's it's almost like a how long is a piece of string type question. But is that, that is, you know that's really really that's that's quite you know for something that's acute and something that's new. If you've got you know this is just looking at numbers from the government release you know you've got it's you know only a hundred people have died from it only a hundred but this time last week what two or three have died from it and if you look at it sort of the, the italian numbers and things like that it, it, it's got like an exponential curve that goes up because the whole system starts to break down as i said it's the whole issue with regards to staffing and it's the, in the hospital i've noticed one because i go to lots of different wards is that their staffing's a lot further down is because a lot of staff, a lot of words like um, rely on agency staff. So agency staff come into work and cover the wards because they don't work normal hours. But they've seen that this coronavirus here, and they're like, "Oh, I'm not coming to the wards." So a lot of nurses, a lot of wards are two, three nurses down per how, shift. How, how impactful is that to a three nurses? Well, if you've got, for example, most wards run between one nurse to five to six patients. So that's 30, but if you've got 30 bedded wards, you may have one nurse in charge and five other nurses. So each nurse has five patients. If you take one nurse away, that means each patient nurse and have six patients or seven patients. And it's a, and, it, and a lot of, and it's a lot, it's not, um, when I first started nursing 20 odd years ago, a lot the patients are a lot higher acuity, so a lot sicker. So you've got maybe five or six really sick patients and you've got one nurse looking after them. So you can't do what you need, you want to do. Is that so it's really difficult? So it, it puts strain on the nurses mm. and the doctors, and you get burnout. So mm. basically, if you're if you're doing twenty, thirty percent more work in a twelve and a half hour shift, you're more likely to make mistakes. You're more likely it, to is that what you're doing? Things. And is it, you're doing twelve hour shifts at the moment? Well, I'm well, not at the moment, but that that's only a matter of time for me. I'm I've, I had to fill out a questionnaire this week to say where am I prepared to work, what hours am I prepared to work. And you know, I'll, if I, they want me to work on awards, I'll go work on awards because you have to do it because you know it's it's you know I'm, I've got lots of experience, so I, I will come out and help. It's not a problem. Because your your nursing um, experience over the last five ten years that hasn't been on awards, has it? No, no. But it's 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 I I I, I go to the wards and I help out in the ward setting, but actual day to day activities they have to be sort of kind of work out on the fly. So. A lot, and that will be the case for a lot of nurses that will be that have that have been out for a while and come back in. But as I said, we all, you know, it's like riding a bike. You never, you never know, you never forget how to make a bed. You never forget how to do the obs. You never forget what a sick patient looks like. So it's one of these things that you have to sort of crack on with. The the obvious question that that I've got to ask is that are you does it does it make you nervous or are you afraid of going on the wards because you could contract. The, the the virus no. no i'm not i'm not afraid of contracting it you know at the end of the day if i if i if i get it i get it and it's it's one of those things you know it's old it's if i get it i'll self-isolate and the wife will self-isolate and my daughter will self-isolate and we'll be fine we'll keep myself hydrated we'll keep myself you know i've got the painkillers in the house so i'll be all right but i think at the end of the day it's one of those things that 
I think a lot of healthcare professionals are resigned to probably, you know, most of us are going to get it. But I think we're all trying to make steps that we don't get it all at the same time. And I think that's the most, you know, that's one of these things that I think the government was saying with well, this, this sort of uh, flattening the curve. That's really important with the NHS is to flatten the curve because of the staffing issues. And there are a lot, as I said, the NHS employs a million odd people in the, in the UK. That's a lot of people. And if they all got it at once, this country would like basically, yeah, but like KFC chicken right time a thousand, you know, mm. it'd be crazy. So, have you got any uh, estimations about what this might be like in the next, in the coming weeks? And 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 have they talked about staff shortages in the hospitals? Well, it's it's one of these things that nobody knows what's going to happen, and everybody's kind of like all hands to the pump. You know, annual leave sort of been mooted to be cancelled. It's kind of like, you know, it's everybody's trying to sort of put a brave face in it, and everybody's prepared and I think the good thing about the NHS and nurses and doctors and healthcare workers in, in general is we spot a crisis and we think right it's not like oh what can I do to get out of it it's what can I do to help the situation and I think that's the most important thing when it comes to sort of the staff in the NHS is that we're all super dedicated and none of us will shy away from it I'm not like oh I'm gonna be scared of going in there we'll go well I'm gonna crack on as long as I look after myself as well as I can I look after my, you know, I look after the patients as well I can. I think that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah, fair play, mate. Thank you for for talking to me, and um, well, I'd love to speak to you in a few weeks if uh, to, to see how things um, pan out. Yeah, well, as I said, I'm, I'm more than happy to chat away, mate. As I said, I, I, all I would say is that as long as you like social distancing, wash your hands, you know. Um, how, how, how effective is that? It's amazingly effective. Washing Just washing your hands. your hands. Washing your hands, soap and water. Don't matter what the soap is, as long as it's soap, basically. Very liquid, hand soap, Carex, doesn't matter what it is. As long as you wash your hands for 20 seconds, both front and back, lose lots of water and wipe it all off. That'll kill the virus. You know what I mean? And and just and it just don't be silly. You know, look out for look out for each other. You know, and you know, as I said, just be as as it's really it's really important to sort of uh and if you feel sick don't tough it out just go home you know self-isolate that's why the government you know they don't they don't want you know the blooming Tory government they don't want everybody out of work they want people working earning don't they yeah that's just, exactly you know, so just, you know just one one thing i'm not sure if you're how political you are but how um have you been impressed with the amount of investment that the tories have put into combating this and the budget in general or not well, they've they, they've thrown the money in now, but it's uh, you know it's kind of <laughs> ten years too uh, late. Huh? It's, yeah, basically, you know they can't blame anybody else but themselves. It's you know if you underfund the service for 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 twenty for ten years, and you can only expect it to run on goodwill for so long. And you know that's the good thing about the NHS is that everybody's extremely dedicated to what they do. Mm. And I think that's exactly what we want to do. You know, as 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 healthcare professionals, you know, you don't go into healthcare for the money. Put it that way. Yeah, I just, sorry, I'm sorry to keep keeping you because things keep popping into my head. But like, just as you know, someone who's worked in the NHS for so long, who, who as you say, doesn't get paid incredibly well, and really does go above and beyond based on the salary. Um, like, what 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 is the future? Are you hopeful for an NHS that can support the nation, or is it is it really dependent? Well, on... Well, you know, I think that the, that the NHS is a funny old thing. It's one of these things that you know when it's there. It's work and it works well. You never complain about it. 
it's like my job, I say to the patients when they're in pain. And the patients will never complain when their pain is well managed. <laughs> They'll always complain if their pain isn't as well managed as it should be. So I, I always want, I, I hope the NHS is always there. And, I, you know, I think if it gets the funding it deserves, and it, especially in investment in education and research, they're the most important things. It's always driving to move forward. And I think if it gets the money in investment, and hopefully this this COVID situation will show the nation and show the politicians that actually we're not just a big bloated thing that sits there and takes lots of money. We're actually really good at what we do and we'll show ourselves to be that. Yeah, it's incredibly profound, Anthony, mate. Thank you very much. And um, like I say, I'm looking forward to speaking to you in a couple of weeks where things may or may not have sorted themselves out. Um, Well, you know, yeah, as I said, you know, it's, you know, the old parabolic curve, when it goes down, it's got to get to the bottom first before it goes up. And we're probably about a third of the way to the bottom. Oh, yeah. And you'll, you'll be <laughs> at the front line when, when the bottom hits out, no doubt. Cheers, mate. Something Thanks like that, a lot. Mate. Hello, Adam. How you doing, mate? Very well, Gal. How are you? I'm very good. Very good. Very good. So um, let us know what, what your job is and what you do and the industry you work in. So I work for a currency broker. So we help businesses manage their foreign currency transactions. So this may be manufacturers, import exporters, oil and gas businesses, premiership football clubs, and everything in between really. So what we do is that we help them get a better price uh, when it comes to buying currency. But we also help them manage their exposure by using the products that we have available to to manage their risk in effect so no that was pretty uh i'm trying to keep it as simple as possible <laughs> yeah, that wasn't simple no, no one listens to this can understand that all <laughs> products uh yeah don't know don't know what that means but it's fine because um like just just for example so you're, you're uh, someone might be buying a premier league footballer or a player from abroad and they're spending lots of money in sterling or euros or whatever yeah, it, so is. it might be easier in the context of this podcast to maybe talk about it with, with football clubs so we have a few football clubs that that are our clients and what they use us for um, all of their the money that they have is all in sterling but they may be buying a footballer uh, that's from Europe and they would have to pay the club in euros and therefore they would agree a rate uh, or they would agree an, an amount that they're buying that player for but most players you don't pay the full amount up front and as Levy likes to do pay it over as many instalments as possible so um, what we do is that you can either pay the club in instalments at the rates on the day you need to pay them or if you're going to say we're going to buy this player for 30 million and we don't want to be exposed to what the rate's doing in a year's time or two years time they'll fix the rate for the next two years or three years so they know when they're buying the player they're buying it for 30 million and it's not going to cost them 35 if the market moves against them in the next 12 months or two years right yeah so it's significant if when you when you're spending that amount of money the movement in the markets is significant yeah, I mean, a lot of people ring me and say, oh, what's happening with the pound and how's that going to affect my holiday? And to be honest, it doesn't at all, really. Um, <laughs> but if you're talking about millions and millions, then that's when it becomes, um, it can be quite expensive if you don't um, protect the rate or, um, yeah, if you don't hedge your exposure by by using stuff like forward contracts. But I don't want to get into too, yeah, course, course. Into too much detail. But yeah, it's, that, that's sort of what we do. So in, in the context of football, that's how we would help clients. We would... We're just an alternative to the bank, really, because 
we don't have the same overheads as a bank we can get really good pricing so we give you a better price yeah. but it's more about helping them manage the transaction so they're not making a loss because a player could could end up costing them 40 million rather than the 30 million they budgeted for um and there are other people in your industry not specifically your your company that that would trade on currency and when i say your industry in that in that currency is what you work with um yeah but, so there are other people that might speculate on whether or not the pound or the dollar or or um whatever it is would go up and down yeah. and 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 how how valued that that pound would be or that that that, that dollar would be yeah so so the, it's for us what our transactions are for there has to be an underlying reason for the transaction so it's buying a player or paying a supplier or settling an invoice in a different currency but the other side of the coin would be speculative brokers so that's just betting on the market going up and down essentially um and people make a lot of money from doing that um that's where joe lewis made all his money from um was from speculating on fx and uh he became a billionaire but i wouldn't advise it it's very risky yeah i think that there's what people do is that they uh more clever people than myself build like algorithms to try and predict where the top and the bottom of the market is um and they speculate every day to try and make money from those transactions but to be honest with you if people say no one knows where the market's going to go um no one's got a crystal ball, otherwise everyone would be doing it. It'd be really easy. But there are people that do make money from speculating FX, but not something that we do as a business. And obviously a massive thing that's happened at the moment is the coronavirus, which is kind of the crux of what I want to talk to you about and how that impacts yeah. these things, is um, they can't, they couldn't legislate for this because it was so no. unexpected it happened so quickly. Um, I've been reading a lot over the last week about how the pound has, has dropped to its lowest value compared to the dollar in 35 years i think it's just dipped below 118 um yeah what 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 why why is the pound and the dollar always compared and and the second part of that question is 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 um is why has the coronavirus affected the pound significantly as opposed to the dollar so the, the dollar is sort of the world reserve currency so it's it's, the, it's, it's a global currency that everyone all economies in the world hold their cash reserves in US dollars. Uh, and it's obviously because it's a huge economy and one of the biggest in the world. A lot of smaller economies um, or economies whereby their currencies fluctuate a lot, what they do is that they peg their currency against the dollar. So as the dollar moves up and down, their currency moves up and down with it. Um, we don't do that. Um, but what's happened over the last week is that because there's been... Uh, such shocks to the financial markets both in terms of like stocks and shares as well as currencies people just buy what that what's called a safe haven so the US dollar is seen as the, the world safe haven so in times of turmoil people will sell all of their assets in different currencies or uh, and they will go and buy the dollar so that's why we've seen the dollar shoot up massively um, and also because people don't want to be holding uh, illiquid assets so Things like gold, usually in times of turmoil, gold goes up as well because that's seen as a safe haven. But gold has gone through the floor over the last few days is because um, around the world, um, people are having to pay salaries or they're just trying to survive. Uh, so they are um, liquidating all their other assets and just buying the US dollar. 
So that's why we've seen it move up significantly. Okay. And um, so what, why do you think the virus impacts our currency and, and, and all others? Is it simply because people are less able to make money and generate business? Uh, it's just that the market in general doesn't like uncertainty. Um, in times of uncertainty, you always see the markets crash. Uh, and because there's, this is a complete unknown in terms of when this is going to finish and when this is going to end, then that's why we've seen the stock market and currencies fall off a cliff and will continue to do so until there's some form of normality back in or there's a cure or um, the death rates start going down. Uh, and obviously the fact is that we're in unprecedented times with businesses being shut down, a whole economy shutting down, uh, everyone being under lockdown. It's going to have a huge knock-on effect for small businesses as well as big businesses as well. When, as, just as an individual, Ed, when when these sort of things break, do do, do you yeah. because you're so close to it? Do, do do you do you worry, or do you feel like it's something that just rebounds naturally, or is it something that affects you? Uh, you know, on a personal mm. level, on an emotional level. Mm. So yeah, I mean, to some extent, yeah, I think that the knock-on effect that we're going to see is that the most unfortunate people in the world and the people who don't have much money are going to be the ones that are affected the most because a lot of people in the world and a lot of people in the UK as well, they're sort of, they're hand to mouth. So every month is important because it enables them to pay their bills and put food on the table. Uh, and the fact that they're, they're no longer working or they've been laid off, um, they're the people that are going to see the biggest effect. Um, but it's going to affect every business and, and every single person. Um, I'm fortunate that I've I've worked in a, in a in a in a role and in a business that that's not going to affect me in the short term. But um, if this goes on for for a significant period of time, it's going to affect everyone. Yeah. What I mean is there people out there in uh, maybe in um, who work in currency in some form that can turn this into an opportunity? Are there ways of being creative where you can make money out of this situation, or is it just a loss for everybody? No, definitely. I think that, that, that with the good thing about what what currency brokers and even people that are speculating what they want is they want volatility. Um, because if, if the markets are volatile, then it, that's what creates an opportunity. So people will be benefiting from this. Um, but our, my role is slightly different because we're just assisting and advising clients on what to do in this situation. And there'll be plenty of businesses that will go under because of what's happened. Um, I mean, if you try, if you try to just explain it. So, if you was a business that was importing something from China, for example, which most of our economy is not built on exports because we don't really make anything anymore, um, it's very much focused on imports. So, if a business two weeks ago was buying something from China and it cost them one dollar thirty, um, if they didn't hedge that, so if they didn't protect that one thirty rate, and they're working off a relatively small margin on these products that they're importing. Two weeks later, they're now buying the dollars twenty percent less than what they were before. So those businesses will just they'll just go under. They don't have a business anymore. Um, so there'll be plenty and plenty of businesses in those situations um, whereby the banks are calling in their debt, or they're and then they're no longer be able to to, to facilitate their supplier payments. And yeah, the knock-on effect is going to be huge. Um, is it is it good in this instance to be kind of cash rich or asset rich? Do you know? Like is it, you know, are the are currencies so volatile that you could lose lots of monies if you are catch risk? 
Uh, I think that what what this presents at the moment, if you do have lots of cash, is an opportunity. I think that if you look at the stock market, I mean, it's fallen off a cliff over the last couple of weeks, but common sense would tell you that, for example, I don't know the exact amount that it's fallen, but if you said Apple, Apple is there's no way that Apple is suddenly 20% less valuable than it was a few weeks ago. Yeah. Just common sense would say that that can't be true. Um, so what it does present is an opportunity to buy at the lows because there's no way of predicting where the bottom is and that's the, the issue with the current situation with the pandemic no one knows when the end's going to finish um so you're never going to be able to pick the bottom mm. but all these stocks and all these businesses are you're able to buy into them at a massive discount at the moment because eventually at some point it will rebound it might not happen straight away and it might not be a short-term thing but if you're looking at making money and being an investor over a long period of time, then buying stocks at some point over the next few months would be a good thing to do because they're going to go back higher. It might take three years, it might take five years or ten years, but eventually it's going to go back higher and you're unable to buy in them at a discount at the current prices. So if you have money that you could invest and you're not necessarily going to miss it, it's a good opportunity? Not yeah, look, I'm not short a financial term. advisor. I'm not a financial <laughs> advisor, but I wouldn't recommend to do do anything. And look, if there is, if you have the cash available, then I think it's a pretty sensible thing to do. But um, with with all of the stock market and investing in stocks and stuff, it only it only works if you do it over the long term and you don't need the money. If you wanted to keep, if you need access to the cash or you want to take the investment out, then it's not going to work. Hmm. If you're going to leave it in there for 20 years and not touch it then yeah it's a good it's a good thing to do but if you most people don't have that luxury there they don't have spare money to constantly put put aside for the future um but if you're seeing it more as like an additional pension or a pension then yeah it's a good thing to do um through, through this podcast we spoke to uh, we've just spoken to a nurse who, who who's been working in hospitals and seeing what he's sort of thoughts and the impact that it's had on him um we're about to speak to a guy who's um, he's traveling in South America and trying to get home currently. Uh, he's, he's, yeah. a long, he's a long way from an airport where he is. So, um, but they, And they both sort of talked about the kind of developing panic and concern. But in, in the city, is there, there's obviously been conversations about it. Have people been quite plucky and stoical about it or, or has there been genuine fear as well? I think there's, there's, there is fear. Um, I think that there's... It's been fueled by the press, I think, but look, we can't get away from the fact that it's, we're in a pretty serious time at the moment, and you can only just see by what's happened with currencies, what's happened with the stock market, that people are panicking. Um, otherwise, we wouldn't have seen the moves that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. It's, it's unprecedented the, the amount of the the, the, type, the 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 way in which it's moved and how quickly it's moved. I mean, you have to go back to the financial crisis to see this happening previously, but this could be a lot worse than that um, because at least with the financial crisis that the government was able to bail out the banks pretty quickly at the moment there's no end in sight of when this could stop um, so and especially with everyone under lockdown there's no no one's earning money all the economies are just at a standstill um, so yeah the longer this goes on the worse it's going to get I think that there's a there's definitely an element of, of panic for every business owner in the country at the moment just to be able to survive. Um, yeah, I think that this will be from restaurants to to any business 
even people who are in FTSE 100, you only have to look at British Airways and some of the bigger companies in the in, in the UK. Everyone's going to be struggling off the back of this. So yeah, there, there definitely is a sense of, of of panic, but I think that I think it will blow over. It's just how long that that process and time is going to take. Thank you, Adam. Cheers, mate. No holds barred. All right, Alex, how you doing, mate? I'm good. Got a little bit of a cough, but no, nothing too serious. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you feel all right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm all good. Where, whereabouts are you in the world? So I'm in Chile. I'm in the southern part of Chile, Patagonia, uh, which is pretty close to Antarctic, well, the Antarctica. So yeah, really, really quite far south at uh, the moment. Okay. What? What? <clears throat> so what where? Like what? What you've been doing? Have you? Are you? Tra- you're traveling around the world. Yeah, so I've been, for the last almost a year now, I've been traveling around Central, well, North and South America, so five months in Mexico, and then the rest of the time spent in Ecuador, Bolivia, Peru, a bit of Argentina, a week in Brazil, and then now in Chile. Uh, and yeah, like, well, just just to go on this point of the coronavirus, so we, we, we were in Rio uh, for Carnival for a week, and then the first case of coronavirus got reported in Sao Paulo on, well, it must have been around mid-February. And then we flew from Rio to Chile. And at the time, of, they were obviously aware that that first case had been reported in Brazil. So the flight landing from Brazil, they were a bit worried about. So they were taking our temperature sort of as we were landing to see if we had a high temperature and whether we could land. Yeah, uh, let, let me, let, and, let's, can, I, can I just go back a little bit? A little bit, because yeah, all this is fascinating. But if, if, um, so, so when, when through your travels, would you sort of start starting to become aware of this? Would, would you think you were less aware than others? Were you keeping up to date with news? Oh, no, no. It was, I, I've, I've still got BBC News on my phone. So I check that, uh, pretty much every day just to see what's going on. So I was well aware of what was happening, you know, when it erupted in China and then, uh, but what was that? Like late late January, something like that. Yeah. And then and then things started to progress, and then obviously Italy got hit really hard. And, and then was you blowing up. was you starting to think that that this might impact you, or were you thinking it's a long way away? To be honest, I just thought this is better than like as things were going crazy in Europe. Um, I felt really safe here, and I was like, this is this is this is ideal, really. Like being away from it, you know, like. Italy was starting to shut down and, you know, the northern part of Italy got locked in pretty quickly. Um, I don't think I really foresaw that that was going to happen everywhere, but that seems to be the case now, like mm. a few weeks later. Um, but yeah, at the time I was like, I was pretty happy to be out here, you know, like I was in Santiago when a lot of this was going on. It was about 30 degrees. Um, the sun was just shining the whole time. And... I was like, there's no better place to be than, you know, have a bit of sun and you can you can do stuff. Uh but that's rapidly changed to be honest. Yeah. What so um so so you mentioned when it, it became a real reality was when you was in Brazil and the first case was was um, announced there, right? Yeah. What Yeah, that's when Go on, sorry. Well what what, what I was just wondering what 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 you thought then? What was your mindset and the people you're with as well? What what were they thinking? And I think the the reality started to be this is just you know it's just going to catch up with everyone. You know, like there's no escaping it. There's so much 
worldwide travel that happens. Rio is a very popular destination for a lot of people, especially at the time of Carnival, when you've got people from flying in from all over the world, especially Europe, to to be there. Um, so yeah, as we as we landed back in Santiago, they were taking temperatures and and being a bit cautious about it. Uh, what, what was that like? When, something... As you was getting off the the plane, what was that like? Was it? I, I tell you what, I had a cold for most of Rio. Uh, the, well, yeah, I'm calling it a cold for now. I don't know if I had anything else more severe. Who like, I haven't been tested, so I can't. I can't say for sure. Um, but because I was this side of the world and no cases have been reported, then I kind of thought, you know, it's just a seasonal, a seasonal illness that I have. But who knows? Um, but yeah, so I was I was pretty worried to be honest, and I'm actually quite I'm like a bit of a sweaty person as well. So like, and <laughs> flying makes me a bit nervous in itself. Um, so land, you know, landing and then seeing these people like with their masks on and these temperature guns, uh, I was a bit I was a bit concerned to be honest. Um, and and I saw people, I have to be honest, mostly Asian people that they pulled aside, which obviously is just some form of racial profiling mm. uh just pulling people aside sitting them down you know being like you've got a hot, you've got a high temperature um and then filling out questions i don't know what they did with them after that we kind of as soon as we got through we were like all right let's let's get out because yeah um, well I'd imagine we what would have happened is that they would have they would have been taken to hospital and then quarantined wouldn't they well yes or they would have just been turned away which is you know because they and have that's... every right to say no. We don't want to give you a visa. Yeah, do you think that's what might have happened to you? Even I, surely, I mean, yeah. They don't. I mean, the right procedure, I'd imagine, and perhaps they know better, would be to quarantine them rather than just send the virus, potential virus, onto another country or back to where they came from. You'd hope so. Uh, I wouldn't say that South American countries follow that much of a humanitarian approach all the time uh i know that people have been turned away from so in this is jumping forward a bit yeah. uh but just just on that point people have been turned away from argentina having flown out from other countries yeah um but that's because they've closed their borders so it's slightly different i suppose but those flights shouldn't have gone ahead but you know whatever i don't know um but yeah i, I you'd hope that they would just quarantine um but yeah we so following that we didn't really we didn't really keep i don't know we didn't really keep up with it as much um so we went to like the north of chile then we went back to the center uh we didn't really hear that much like not that much was going on chile's going through a real like social movement at the moment so coronavirus didn't really seem to be top of their agenda in this regard and that might be why they've got so many cases um compared to the rest of south america but so so we ended up coming south um, about ten days ago, and where I am is quite remote, so you have to actually fly to where we are because it's all sort of the land is very um, you can't drive across the land effectively because it's all sort of there's like lakes and rivers and things in between. So we flew down to this place called Puerto Natales, and it's where there's a trek, a famous national park called Torres del Paine. Um, <clears throat> and you can do, there's two, well, there's two main options for doing the trek there. You've got the O-Trek, which is basically a loop around the park, takes about 
most people take about eight days, seven nights. We did one which was five days, four nights, and we left for that. I think it was last Thursday. Um, or when? No, maybe it, it was when it was the twelfth until the sixteenth. So mm. I, I don't know what days they were. So we left, and we were like, "Yeah, brilliant." You know, this is like it's it's camping, um, or you, you you know, you're away from internet, you're away from the outside world. Everything's shut. Like so you're there's, shut. There's no really. data there. There's no. I mean, you, if you want to pay for internet, you can, and some people did. Um, <clears throat> but we 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 made the, the 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 decision to just be away from that. You know, you're yeah, in nature. Yeah. You don't want to be like messing around with all that. So what you're saying, essentially, you were cut off for four days, more or less. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we started hearing towards the end because other people had got internet. We'd heard rumors of like borders closing and things like that. But again, you know, there was nothing we could do at the time. So what's the point in worrying about it there and then? So you, um, you adopted that kind of philosophical approach. Like, what 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 could yeah. you do? You, you you wasn't like thinking, shit, this is this could be an issue for us at that stage. I, I would say I'm a bit more of a warrior than my mate is, but you know, with with his stoical guidance, I try and take a, a decent a decent approach to these things. Because what can you do? You know, there's nothing. There's literally nothing you can do unless you have the tools available to to do something about it. And we didn't have any laptops, or you know, it was just better to just get back and sort it out when we were when we when we knew what was going on. So, did you was, um, you, was you was you able to maintain that though, even when you was on your own with your own thoughts? Was there any part of it where you was starting to? Th- try and formulate a plan in your head or was it just the next stage was to just get back to to the the place where you were staying um or was it just to enjoy the experience for the now i think it was yeah i think it was about enjoying the experience doing doing you know it's very easy because the trek the trekking wasn't easy and um you know there's that part to concentrate on there's the difficulty of it uh but then equally you know your mind wanders especially when you're, you're not being stimulated by, you know, a lot of people just stimulate themselves through their technology, but there was none of that. So you do, your thoughts do run away with themselves uh, a lot of the time. But, you know, you just, like I, I, I try to meditate as often, not as often as I can, but like on a daily basis. And I think that that kind of training along the way has helped, you know, yeah. bring to make sure you bring your attention back to the present and really not worry about things that you have no control over right now. Yeah, absolutely. But th- there was obviously a, a very real <laughs> issue for you to, to to concentrate on when you did arrive back at your your place. Yeah. And, and what, the, what, 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 when you started to actually get full information, what, what was that? How did you receive that news and what kind of conversations were you having? Well, to, uh, so yeah, so we arrived at the bus station where we were going to get a bus in two days to Argentina. We asked the lady uh, behind the counter about our bus, and she said no. She didn't really tell us why, and we were like, "Well, why?" And she said, "Well, the borders are closed." Okay, okay, fine. Um, that was, you know, then then things started to really uh, click into play. We were like, "Okay, well, now we need to like actually take action." Mm. Got back to our hostel um where we had internet i've i know a few people that were in chile i was like what are you doing yeah uh, they were like we're, leave- we're leaving we're getting out we're going home and i was like why like surely this is a better place to be um but then we found out that the borders were closing on the 18th so this is for- chi- uh, chile's borders 
sorry, yeah. So Argentina's border closed on the fifteenth, right? So we couldn't, we we literally couldn't do the plans that we'd had, yeah. Um, which was cl- crossing into Argentina and being there for, uh, being there for a month basically. Yeah. Um. So we're like, okay, we 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 need to have a new plan. Um. Because of where we are, I was a bit concerned that we would be stranded where we are. And some people are, some people are taking the opinion that being stranded is is not bad, especially in, if you're in a remote place. Um, I don't really share that opinion because, you know, so I don't know what's going to happen with supplies. We're not nationals here, so if we do get ill, I don't know where we'd even go. Not, I mean, I probably would just isolate, but even still, you know, if things got worse, then then, then what do you do? Well, of course, um, there's obviously the issue of how long does this last? Well, exactly. And so basically every, so we got back on the 16th. We kind of just, to be honest, we were so knackered that we just didn't really do much. The 17th, we, we started to like think about alternative plans, which was basically to fly halfway north of Argentina. So we're a bit, uh, sorry, in Chile. So we're a bit more connected um, and close enough to Santiago that if we needed to bail, then we could. Um, but then, you know, this this thing is escalating so much so quickly. And it appears now that Chile is basically going to go into full, lock, full lockdown um, any time, basically any time now. The government's sort of um, taken on extra powers or something i don't know what the official terms are for it where they can basically change things pretty immediately oh the other thing is where i am is very tourist orientated um most people come here for these these huge treks um people from america europe all over the world and there's also a port in the south there's been actually there was a story in the news i think it was in the bbc about this this cruise liner that isn't allowed to dock in chile um, and it's got like medical professionals on it. And it's like 100 medical professionals. But two cases were reported in the south of Chile. Um, and so that led to like a huge amount of panic where we are. And people are closing shops, people are closing everything. You can't really en- enter the pharmacy without, you know, they, they hand you the stuff that you want through the door. And then you pay, they bring the the card reader to you, you're paying cash or whatever else. So things are escalating here pretty quickly. We got kicked out of our hostel as well because they shut down. So we had to find another one. When we arrived, he vetted us. He was like, where have you been? What have you been doing? Um, I haven't been to Europe since December. So no, I don't, I don't think I have any, and I don't have any symptoms. So luckily that's, that's okay. I think that the issue for us now is like, um, we're trying to fly to Santiago on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Um, we're getting a bus to the area where there's been those two cases today. Then we're flying in two days after that um, to Santiago and then trying to get a plane out on Sunday. To but, back to England. Back to UK. Yeah. Um, Can I? The, 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 go on. Well, no, no, carry on. Because I've got another question. Well, the the main reason for doing that. Um, again, like two days ago, I was like, let's just wait it out here. You know, we're just booking Airbnb, um, self quarantine, whatever. Uh, but the issue is if they just shut down the country, there's literally no point being here because you can't do the things that you want to do. Chile's a relatively expensive country in comparison, like in comparison to the rest of South America. So it's a pretty 
expensive place to to be um and yeah it just kind of seemed pointless to be honest and i i i am of the opinion not to be like a pessimist but i just really don't think so the borders have closed until the first 31st of march i really don't think that any solution is going to happen by then i think cases are going to blow up more in in um south america probably less so than europe because they have actually taken pretty rapid steps to close things down um but still that doesn't that doesn't cure something that is very infectious no, and as 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 the cases increase elsewhere in the world, that, that doesn't mean that just because the cases aren't happening because of the lockdown in Chile or wherever else, doesn't mean that opening the borders is going to be helpful at all. No, no, no not at all, no. And... Um, I've got a question, Alex, right? And this might be yeah. obvious in hindsight, but why didn't you just come home earlier when you, you didn't have to worry and, and have this kind of race against time? Because we, we don't... We don't know anything that's happening here. Like people are concerned, very concerned. If you, mm. we we've been following the news pretty much constantly. I have at least, and mm. it seems like we're heading towards something like a lockdown. I'm not sure if we'll ever close the borders or do anything as drastic as that, but it feels like things are escalating to that point because the cases are going mm. up exponentially, and so are, so are the deaths, although they are still quite small, and it, it is very much you know confined to those with underlying health conditions and the elderly but it doesn't mean that mm. the actions taken are going to be drastic why, why didn't you feel like you you know you to, to feel the desire to move quicker or is it just that it's happened so quickly uh it's a good point i think it's probably a bit of naivety to be honest um just you know not so if we go back to rio when that first case was reported, like no cases had been reported in, in South America up to that point, you know, mm-hmm. that was a month or so afterwards. Uh, yeah. A month or so after the initial outbreak. Um, I guess my own, ex- you know, I don't have any experience. The, the last time that this properly happened on the scale was in 1918. So I yeah. don't think anyone, anyone really, you know, it's not in the present no, it's true. Discourse or whatever, and like no one really thinks about how th- how easily these things can spread. Although that being said, I did watch that pandemic documentary during the time of this this happening, and I recommend anyone to watch it because it's fascinating. Where's um, that on Netflix? It's on Netflix, yeah, and it basically talks about what is basically like this thing happening, but they released it effectively when it happened, which is which is pretty weird. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I guess the question would be what at what. You know, because it's actually probably the, re- the the main reason would be for me is that if I do cut this sh- trip short, because I was planning to go until July, if I do cut it short, that is that is the end of it. Yeah, you know? I'll go back. I go back to work. I don't, you know. Um. Well, I mean, you'll be working from that's home. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's very true. I might not even be able to go back to my job, to be honest, because. There won't be anyone there to like give me my pass or something. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I can understand that, and I would be in the exact same situation. I think if it was me, I would have just kept it going for as long as possible, because mm. you, you just don't anticipate that that no. this was the way that this was going to go. Um, we're 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 quite lucky to. So um, I've, I'm on this group, which is about basically people people in South America and they use it as a platform to sort of try and meet up with people who are in the same area, but it's just been taken over by this coronavirus. People in 
Peru um, are completely stranded. They can't leave the country at this stage. Um, <clears throat> so, what, so, so yeah, there are nationals in, in Peru that are, are stuck? Yeah, um, I don't think it will come to surprise that the surprise of anyone that our government's pretty fucking useless. So <laughs> the German government, for example, we, we've, we've, we've come into plenty of German people on this trip and they've been flown home by their, their air force. Really? Um, yeah. So they've come, they've collected people from various places across the world and flown them back. Do, uh, have you con contacted don't... your embassy though? Do you know what? They're actually only as of yesterday, did they advise to fly home and it wasn't even like you should it was like we had we strongly advise that you consider coming home yeah but to be honest they just don't want the additional pressure do they 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 kind of yeah i think they'd rather people be away from <clears throat> the uk than, than and, in it and like they say based on what we know the reality is that someone as young as you as fit as you is you know it really has nothing to worry about and um no. So either stay or, or, or go, it won't make a, a, a great deal. So what, what do you think you'll do then? You're definitely going to, you're definitely going to fly back. Well, flights, flights are booked in place. Um, we did that because, you know, if we can catch them, great. If we don't, then at least we get a refund of some sort. Um, if the decision's made for me, then I won't, I won't fuss too much. You know, people, there's people always willing to make money out of situations like this and Airbnbs and things like that, where you don't have to con come into contact with anyone would be our next option. We'd want to get north. It's actually becoming quite xenophobic as well, which is quite interesting. Um, In what way? I'm I'm a white male, so I don't really, like, I'm pretty privileged to not suffer that kind of racial profiling in my life mm -hmm. but i walked into like a police department yesterday to get a report for something that had been stolen and every every step i took into the police office he took like four steps back <laughs> really um get away from him and he just was like no it's closed it's out so um wow and it's not really taking grip here. Uh, I know that Santiago has had a lot of cases, so I really don't know what would happen there. A lot of hostels are closed. So the, I think the, the, the issue and the decision, the reason we made this decision is because we will, we will become stranded at some point. And I don't know what the food situation is going to be. Um, you know, it's mental at home. People keep, you know, I see people taking pictures of, uh supermarkets yeah that isn't hyperbole yeah it's not hyperbole either this is in every supermarket like this yeah and and, uh, and crazy. most people are saying like this is ridiculous you know you're selfish expletive if you're you know if you're buying up all the toilet roll and and all that shit right but um it's crazy like i've never i don't think yeah. i've ever seen people react this way it does it kind of feel because you've seen it in the movies so often it, it, it feels yeah. like it. And when it started, everyone was being a bit flippant and, and having a laugh with it. And, you know, and, and it, but it does kind of feel like the start of something significant. And I don't know how long it's going to last. It talked about months. Like they've just taken kids out of schools and they've got no return date. You know, some people are talking about it, it, them coming back in September next year. So, yeah, it, is, it all is a bit, a bit strange. Most businesses have shut down. Um, uh, pubs are closing. Uh, lots of bit, pubs are going out of business already. Yeah. Uh, everybody's losing money everybody um so it's it's it is a bit mad um yeah but yeah i mean it's just uh yeah it must be uh, in in some way being so separated from it 
um, in, you know, comfort in, but by the same token, your kind of jeopardy is much higher for you because being stuck somewhere where, you know, probably doesn't have a health ser- a, a, a national health service. No. Uh, yeah, well, the, the hope the hope then would be that the government actually pulls their finger out and you know starts to help their nationals, but they don't seem to be doing that. Um, England have been the the slowest to react in all of them. Maybe for you know, yeah. good reason. There's they've given reasons why they haven't taken the measures that Scotland and Wales have, but um, they do seem to be a bit slower in in acting. All right, Alex. Mm. Well, thanks so much for, for talking to us. I do hope you get home, if that's what you want. <laughs> and yeah, uh, well, st- stay in uh, touch because if you do get stuck, I'd love to speak to you again. Yeah, well, either I'll land in lockdown London on Monday, otherwise I'll be somewhere else in Chile. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Cheers. Take care. Nice one. Cheers. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.